My name is Elizabeth. I just want you to know I never listened to I Doubt It with Jesse Dollamore because he reminds me of Sarah Limbaugh, and I don't like him. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, everybody, welcome to Podcast Saturday, this very special bonus episode. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me, the lovely, the talented, the dedicated, Brittany Page. Here we are. It's been so long. It's been so long. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> we didn't just do an episode. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So for those of you who are new to the program, just joining us because you saw, you searched for James Comey hearing. Yeah. And you found us in Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. Again, that's what they want us to call it. Not no iTunes. more iTunes. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the show. Please subscribe. We'd love to have you on board to analyze the, the, the Trump administration as well as News and comment on the regular basis. Mm-hmm. The regular basis. <laughs> not a regular basis. Yeah. I want to be specific. It's not any general regular basis, Brittany Page. It's the regular basis. It sounds really professional <laughs> when you put it like that. So anyway, because of my absence, we are we're doubling down here. We were going to kind of just filter this in, mix this in with a regular episode. And I decided, one, because of the delay, because I've been under the weather, mm-hmm. to just do it on its own. Yeah. So eh, we're probably not going to go an hour. But we'll see what happens. Fuck, you never know with these. Well, this was also so monumental Yeah. that we kind of felt it was important to really break it down and talk about it in a way that doing it during a regular episode would not allow. Yeah, it wouldn't. That's a yawn, like a professional. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this needs its own episode. It needs time spent dedicated to what he said. Yeah. And before we get started here, let's just let's dispel some some problems, some issues. I will probably be speaking positively about James Comey. Now that doesn't take away from the the mistakes that he's made, the decisions that he's made in the past relative to the Hillary Clinton campaign, which I have said in the past I was a re- reluctant supporter of hers. Uh, I don't think she was the right choice for the Democratic Party. I don't think she was the right choice for the country at the time. And apparently the American people thought so, too. That doesn't mean you voted for Donald Trump. No, no, I voted for Hillary Clinton. Yeah, but... Like I said, reluctant support. Yeah. I supported Bernie in the primaries, like our regular listeners listeners will know. But uh, James Comey didn't do the right thing by reopening the investigation and announcing it publicly. So close to election day that is right Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean he's not a man of integrity and i stand by what i said after he did what he did when i called for his resignation Mm -hmm. because he did insert himself 
in our free and fair electoral process. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't have done that. Because he also didn't say that the Trump campaign was under investigation. That at was that, right. At that same time. That right. He made, for whatever reason, he made that choice. Right. And we're going to get into that because we're going to talk about his getting to the Loretta Lynch situation where Bill Clinton met with her on the tarmac. Just to say, hey. We're going to get into all of that because that also bolsters the same criticisms that I had during the campaign when that went down. I didn't defend that. I thought that was fucking terrible. Right. Also, you're calling for his resignation following the... Clinton announcement doesn't mean that you support the way in which he was fired by Donald Trump. Not at all. Or, or how that went down. Not at all. So first, before we get to anything, uh, we did talk about his, I, I think we, we talked about it in a regular episode, his prepared remarks that he distributed to the committee and then they released on their website. Yeah. It was a several-page document of kind of a timeline of what went down mm-hmm. with his interactions with Donald Trump, the the requ- the loyalty demands, right? The the asking for the Mike Flynn investigation to go away, hoping, the hoping, right? We'll get to that too. So uh, before we get to all of that, I want to play his. It's roughly a four-minute opening statement that he seemed to deliver without any notes. It wasn't the the statement that I just referenced with the timeline that was that was articulately written. Right. It was just him kind of talking. And so before we do anything, let's set the tone with that. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Ranking Member Warner, members of the committee, thank you for inviting me here to testify today. I've submitted my statement for the record, and I'm not going to repeat it here this morning. I thought I would just offer some very brief introductory remarks, and then I would welcome your questions. When I was appointed FBI director in 2013, I understood that I served at the pleasure of the president. Even though I was appointed to a 10-year term, which Congress created in order to underscore the importance of the FBI being outside of politics and independent, I understood that I could be fired by a president for any reason or for no reason at all. And on May the 9th, when I learned that I had been fired, for that reason, I immediately came home as a private citizen. But then the explanations, the shifting explanations, confused me and increasingly concerned me. They confused me because the president and I had had multiple conversations about my job, both before and after he took office. And he had repeatedly told me I was doing a great job and he hoped I would stay. And I had repeatedly assured him that I did intend to stay and serve out the remaining six years of my term. He told me repeatedly that he had talked to lots of people about me, including our current attorney general, and had learned that I was doing a great job and that I was extremely well-liked by the FBI workforce. So it confused me when I saw on television the president saying that he actually fired me because of the Russia investigation and learned again from the media that he was telling privately other parties that my firing had relieved great pressure on the Russia investigation. I was also confused by the initial explanation that was offered publicly, that I was fired because of the decisions I had made during the election year. That didn't make sense to me for a whole bunch of reasons, including the time and all the water that had gone under the bridge since those hard decisions that had to be made. That didn't make any sense to me. 
And although the law required no reason at all to fire an FBI director, the administration then chose to defame me and, more importantly, the FBI by saying that the organization was in disarray, that it was poorly led, that the workforce had lost confidence in its leader. Those were lies, plain and simple. And I am so sorry that the FBI workforce had to hear them, and I'm so sorry that the American people were told them. I worked every day at the FBI to help make that great organization better. And I say help because I did nothing alone at the FBI. There are no indispensable people at the FBI. The organization's great strength is that its values and abilities run deep and wide. The FBI will be fine without me. The FBI's mission will be relentlessly pursued by its people, and that mission is to protect the American people and uphold the Constitution of the United States. I will deeply miss being part of that mission, but this organization and its mission will go on long beyond me and long beyond any particular administration. I have a message before I close for the, my former colleagues of the FBI, but at first I want the American people to know this truth. The FBI is honest, the FBI is strong, and the FBI is and always will be independent. And now to my former colleagues, if I may. I am so sorry that I didn't get the chance to say goodbye to you properly. It was the honor of my life to serve beside you, to be part of the FBI family, and I will miss it for the rest of my life. Thank you for standing watch. Thank you for doing so much good for this country. Do that good as long as ever you can. And senators, I look forward to your questions. So that is extremely impressive. Yeah. Since he didn't read that. Yeah, he. the reason I say that is because I was watching and I was impressed at the time. He didn't appear to be referencing notes. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's what um, a 56-year-old <laughs> director of the FBI, um, professional talking for a living, that's what it gets you. Yeah. I, I mean, unlike Donald Trump, who can't even read the sixth grade level speeches that are given him. Yeah. To deliver. Well, you can tell that James Comey thought about this for a oh, long yeah. time. Yeah. He put a lot of thought into the written statement that he provided. And he thought a lot about what his answers were going to be. Because even in his responses to the questions, he was very thoughtful. And he wasn't surprised by anything. He wasn't um, caught in a trap. Right. That's awesome that you say that. Because I was also struck by that. Nothing really did catch him by surprise or if it did he he didn't take it he didn't answer as such right he just he rolled with it yeah very comfortable it was also nice to see when he answered the questions that he did that he he seemed unencumbered uh by previous restraints being the the director of the fbi comes with it certain obligations certain procedural obligations um, structural obligations of the job that you're not allowed to talk about certain things. And he didn't have that. Right. He was able to really kind of go off the cuff and be James Comey rather yeah. than FBI director James Comey. Yeah, there were even moments where he got a little pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say. It was great. So... We're going to jump around a little bit. This isn't in chronological order as it happened at the hearing, but uh, he he was... He brought up 
when they went because the Republicans really they wanted to stick to the narrative of not just the leaks but also the Clinton administration the Clinton I'm sorry the Clinton emails the Clinton campaign uh the the meeting with Loretta Lynch what took place when he announced what he did at the end of the campaign and he did get into it made some revelations and now he's provided talking points and this is another reason why I think he's a straight shooter is because he gave both sides ammunition here for after the hearing. Yeah. Because now you're Jeffrey Lord types, you're Kaylee McEnany types. They're only talking about what he revealed about Loretta Lynch and her seeming connection to the Hillary Clinton campaign and not talking about the other stuff that I think is more damning. Because it's about a president, a current president. So here is him talking about the Clinton email probe and how the Obama administration attorney general, Loretta Lynch, Loretta Lynch urged him to call the investigation of the Clinton server email situation a matter, not an investigation. Let me go back, if I can, very briefly, to the decision to publicly go out with your results on the email. Was your decision influenced by the Attorney General's tarmac meeting with the former President Bill Clinton? Yes, in in a ultimately uh, conclusive way. That was the thing that capped it for me, that I had to do something separately to protect the credibility of the investigation, which meant both the FBI and the Justice Department. Were there other things that contributed to that that you can describe in an open session? There were other things that contributed to that. Uh, One significant item I can't, I know the committee's been briefed on. There's been some public accounts of it which are nonsense, but I understand the committee's been briefed on the classified facts. Probably the only other consideration... But I guess I can talk about an open setting is that at one point the attorney general had directed me not to call it an investigation, but instead to call it a matter, which confused me and concerned me. But that was one of the bricks in the load that led me to conclude I have to step away from the department if we're to close this case credibly. So whether or not you agree with that reasoning, there were things going on behind the scenes that he was privy to that led him to do what he did independent of the attorney general who ultimately one step away is his boss. Right. She leads the justice department and the deputy director of the justice department is the, the, the deputy attorney general is his immediate supervisor. Yeah. Then the attorney general. And he felt because of this, because of her, Lack of independence, her seeming working in tandem with the Hillary Clinton campaign, he needed to do something independent of her. Whether you agree with it or not, it makes sense. Here is a second clip with Senator Langford of Oklahoma talking about the very same matter. He goes into a little bit more detail. We'll analyze that and then we'll move on to the meat and the potatoes, not just the meat, Brittany. And then you made a comment earlier about um, the attorney general, uh, previous attorney general, 
uh, asking you about the uh, investigation on the Clinton emails, saying that you'd been asked not to call it an investigation anymore, but to call it a matter. And you had said that confused you. Can you give us additional details on that? Well, it concerned me because we were at the point where we had refused to confirm the existence, as we typically do, of an investigation for months. And it was getting to a place where that looked silly because the campaigns were talking about interacting with the FBI in the course of our work. The, the Clinton campaign at the time was using all kinds of euphemisms, security review, matters, things like that, for what was going on. We were getting to a place where the Attorney General and I were both going to have to testify and talk publicly about it. And I want to know, was she going to authorize us to confirm we had an investigation? And she said, yes, but don't call it that. Call it a matter. And I said, why would I do that? And she said, just call it a matter. And again, you look back in hindsight, you think, should I have resisted harder? I just said, all right, it isn't worth, this isn't a hill worth dying on. And so I just said, okay, the press is going to completely ignore it. And that's what happened when I said, we have opened a matter. They all reported the FBI has an investigation open. Uh, and so that concerned me because that language tracked the way the campaign was talking about the FBI's work. And that, that's concerning. It gave the impression that the campaign was somehow using the same language as the FBI because you were handed the campaign language and told yeah. to be able to use the campaign. Whether, and again, I don't know whether it was intentional or not, but it gave the impression that the attorney general was looking to align the way we talked about our work with the way a political campaign was describing the same activity, which was inaccurate. We had a criminal investigation open, with, as I've said before, the Federal Bureau of Investigation. We had an investigation open at the time, and so that gave me a queasy feeling. Because the FBI doesn't investigate matters. They investigate <laughs> crimes. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. And Loretta Lynch, we're learning now, and I believe him, wasn't acting in good faith as an independent arbiter, as a representative of the Department of Justice. She seemed in the waning days of the Obama administration to be acting as an arbiter of the Clinton campaign. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem. And I don't know whether Obama was in on this. I have my doubts. It sounds as though she was working, you know, in the interest of Hillary Clinton to get another Democrat elected, which, you know, it's problematic. Is it the end of the fucking world? No. It's not meeting with Russians and lying about it. Right. <laughs> but it flies in the face of the independence of her position. It's not her job. It's especially not her job to 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 create a symbiosis or or alignment of the terms used when the the, the Clinton campaign is using the words matter. Oh yeah, they're looking into a matter. Oh yeah, it's not, not a big deal. And then the FBI, at the direction of the Attorney General, uses those same types of nebulous terms. Yeah. That's a problem. I do want to say that it is interesting with conservatives latching on to this part of the testimony and really talking about the L Loretta Lynch issue when Donald Trump uses a lot of those same tactics in terms of downplaying what's going on yeah right he's not saying let's call it a matter but he's saying there's nothing going on at all let's right right he just denies it outright. yeah and and 
even <laughs> after the testimony, his sons came out, right? And started talking about how the cloud has passed, right? Everything is resolved. There's no issue. That's the message that they have. Oh, yeah. So finally, he's been vindicated. Yeah. Complete vindication. Exoneration. Right. So Comey talks about him taking notes. And they were asking, and this is at the beginning of the hearing. So why were you taking notes about meetings you were having with the president of the United States and the president-elect? Because it seems weird to Republicans. Why would an acting FBI director, current working director of the Federal Bureau of Investigations, be taking notes about conversations he had with the man soon to be president? What was it about that meeting that led you to determine that you needed to start putting down a written record? A combination of things. I think the circumstances, the subject matter, and the person I was interacting with. Circumstances first, I was alone with the President of the United States, or the President-elect, soon to be President. The subject matter, I was talking about matters that touch on the FBI's core responsibility and that relate to the president, President-elect personally, and then the nature of the person. I was honestly concerned that he might lie about the nature of our meeting, and so I thought it really important to document. That combination of things I'd never experienced before, but it led me to believe I got to write it down, and I got to write it down in a very detailed way. This is a man who has worked in and around Washington for many, many decades, who has worked, who's had interactions with President George W. Bush, President Obama, neither of which he did indicate had he ever taken notes about conversations. Mm -hmm. He didn't feel there was any need because as he talked about the nature of the person, George W. Bush wasn't a person to be concerned about. Yeah. (laughs) If he would lie about an interaction he had with, at the time, a Justice Department official Mm -hmm. because James Comey used to be the deputy director or excuse me, the Deputy Attorney General. I don't know why I can't fucking say that correctly. He used to be in the same position as uh, Rosenstein. Right. As I pause, so I didn't say Steen. (laughs) It happens. But he's also indicating here that Donald Trump, in his estimation, is a man, and he's being kind, who might lie. He doesn't go into any detail that Donald Trump has lied repeatedly in a habitual manner, whether it be about Obama being born in Kenya and him having evidence that he'll soon release. Oh, it's going to be so damning. Well, it it comes down to he felt almost immediately in his interactions with Donald Trump that he was dealing with someone who was dishonest and could not be trusted. Yes, Someone that he didn't feel comfortable around. Immediately, he felt that way. Yeah. I would call him a skeevy fuck. That is one way to put it. (laughs) So James Comey, like you said, someone who has worked in this field for so long, interacted with all these different types of people, felt that immediately upon interacting with Donald Trump, he needed to start protecting his own ass and documenting right. these conversations. And again, listen, this goes back to the thing about him being, well, let me just say this. 
somebody like Sally Yates, the former acting attorney general that, that Donald Trump fired when she won, wouldn't go along with what he said. But when, when you have someone like a Sally Yates who's being criticized by both parties, you've got a straight shooter. And I have to be honest with myself, even though he has pissed me off in the past, he's drawing fire from both sides about different issues. So you got to give him credit for that. Mm-hmm. He's not party aligned. And I have criticized him in the past for being a lifelong Republican, not for being a Republican, but that has been a criticism of maybe he did this because of his party affiliation. I don't believe he did what he did at the end of the campaign in the waning days prior to the election. I don't believe he did it for partisan reasons. I think his judgment might have been askew. Yeah. But well, I don't believe the reasons were nefarious. I don't think he was surprised when he met Donald Trump. I don't think this was a new realization that he had, that this was a dishonest person that he couldn't trust that made him feel uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. I think he likely knew going into it that that would be the situation. And then it was confirmed because yeah. you, you watch Donald Trump. We have ears. We have eyes. Uh, Most of us do. Obviously, he's going to... Uh, be problematic (laughs) right to say the least yeah so here's comey disputing directly disputing the claims the prior claims that trump has made concerning their meetings and their interactions in his interview with lester holt on nbc the president said i had dinner with him he wanted to have dinner because he wanted to stay on is this an accurate statement no sir did you in any way initiate that dinner no he, call, he called me at my desk at lunchtime and asked me, uh, was I free for dinner that night? And called himself and said, uh, can you come over for dinner tonight? And I said, yes, sir. He said, will six work? I think he said six first. And then he said, I was going to invite your whole family, but we'll do that next time. I wanted you to come over. And is, is that a good time? I said, sir, whatever works for you. And then he said, uh, how about 6.30? And I, I said, whatever works for you, sir. And then I hung up, and I had to call my wife and break a date with her. I was supposed to take her out to dinner that night. Uh, and That's uh, one of the all-time great excuses for breaking a date. Yeah. <laughs> In retrospect, I would have. I love spending time with my wife. I wish I'd been there that night. That's one question I'm not going to follow up, Mr. Cohen. But in that same interview, the president said, in one case I called him and in one case he called me. Is that an accurate statement? No. Did you ever call the president? No, I... I might, the only reason I'm hesitating is I think there was at least one conversation where I was asked to call the White House switchboard to be connected to him, but I I never initiated a communication with the president. Uh, And in his press conference on May 18th, the president was asked whether he had urged you to shut down the investigation into Michael Flynn. The president responded, quote, no, no. Next question. Is that an accurate statement? I don't believe it is. That's calling Donald Trump a liar. Mm -hmm. And not only do we have these contemporaneous notes, contemporaneous meaning they happened almost immediately upon the conversation taking place. So he had a fresh memory. Not only do we have the contemporaneous notes, we also have the fact, and they're going to be deposed, they're going to be questioned, likely under oath, certainly under oath 
we have the 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 leadership levels of the FBI, the leadership team being briefed on this as well. So at the moment that the conversations happened, he not only took notes, but he also talked to them about it. Yeah. So clearly, it is damning for Donald Trump. Clearly, the Republicans are, they have an uphill battle here to discredit or try to get James Comey off kilter relative to the facts at hand. One of the ways that they did it, several of the senators, and the specific interaction that we're going to play right now is from Jim Risch, Idaho's junior senator, junior to Mike Crapo. Jim Risch is a one-time, by fluke of it, governor of Idaho for just like a month or so because he was lieutenant governor at the time. But he spent his time as lieutenant governor and a state senator. And, uh, you know, I told, I know Jim Risch. I told someone the other day that Jim Risch, he's a strange cat because he is uh, a very wealthy man, probably worth 15 or $20 million. And he looks like he lives in his car and gets dressed in his car every morning. Mm -hmm. So some people would say that's a virtue, that he's he doesn't come across as a wealthy man. But what bothers me more about Jim Risch is that he turned this... He's trying to paint Donald Trump as just an any everyday person, not the president of the United States. I hope you can let this go. Now, those are his exact words. Is that correct? Correct. And you wrote them here and you put them in quotes. Correct. Okay. Um, thank you for that. He did not direct you to let it go. Not in his words, no. He did not order you to let it go. Again, those words are not in order. No. He said, I hope. Now, like me, you probably did hundreds of cases, maybe thousands of cases, charging people with criminal offenses. And, of course, you have knowledge of the thousands of cases out there that, uh, where people have been charged. Do you know of any case where a person has been charged for obstruction of justice or, for that matter, any other criminal offense where this, they said or thought they hoped for an outcome? I don't know well enough to answer. And the reason I keep saying his words is I took it as a direction. Right. I mean, this is the president of the United States with me alone saying, I hope this. I took it as this is what he wants he, me to do. Now, you, I, didn't, I didn't obey that, but that's the way I took it. Of course. Of course. This is an interaction between the president of the United States of America. He's not the manager of a grocery store talking to someone. I hope aisle 12 gets uh, swept. Well, there were also little moments where James Comey used the phrase, I hope, throughout the testimony. And the first time it happened, we already played it. And he was talking about a conversation he had with Donald Trump where Donald Trump said he hoped he would stay on. Mm -hmm. He hoped he would stay on oh, in his role. Yeah, absolutely. God, that's a great. That is awesome. So what does he mean by that then, Jim Rush? Well, he just he hopes it. Yeah. Well, there was this awesome tweet that Jesse retweeted from Charles P. Pierce. 
And he wrote, nice place you have here. Be a shame if it burned down. Jim Rish's interpretation, a man trying to sell you fire insurance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow, this is really nice. That'd be a real shame if it burned to the ground in a terrible fire. Right. It's not someone threatening you. It's just someone uh, saying, I'll give you a little tip. Right. Why? Well, uh, you, you owe me money. It might be a shame if all your fingers got fucking broken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is what Donald Trump is doing here in this weird uh, mafioso type language. Yeah. I hope you can find your way clear of dropping this whole Mike Flynn thing. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's straight out of Goodfellas. Yeah. It's, it's how some dumb mafia guy thinks he's not threatening you. Ah, oh, I hope your whole family doesn't fucking die tonight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, We know what you're saying. Again, we have the commonality of language. And not only that, like I said, he's not the manager at the fucking Best Buy telling some employee, well, I hope that uh, that end cap gets cleaned up. I hope the TV section or the, or the laptop section gets straightened up tonight. Mm -hmm. Well, he was just making a suggestion. I didn't know he was telling me to do it. Yeah. He's the president of the United States. Yeah. It is fucking ridiculous. And that was a, th a running theme. Yeah. It also makes sense because Donald Trump has lived his life, I'm sure, talking to people like that in his business dealings. Yes. I, I hope that this gets done. Right? Mm-hmm. And... For some reason, they're wanting to wiggle out of uh, this sentence and make some sort of other meaning out, out of what it is. Well, that's why it's disingenuous of Jim Rish to say, have you ever heard of any prosecution ever of someone f for saying, I hope, and having that be obstruction of justice? Mm -hmm. Well, no, because normally it's just regular people. <laughs> this is the president of the goddamn... It's the most powerful position on the planet on the entire planet earth this man can reign destruction it's not just an everyday joe he's held to a higher standard and finally i want to talk about this because i think this was maybe other than all the the, the stuff that we kind of were expecting this was another thing that uh, was a bombshell, I thought. And it's getting a little play from the press right now, but not enough. And that is, well, one, he did go to Jeff Sessions after he was, after uh, Donald Trump would talk to him inappropriately. And he said, hey, listen, don't leave me in a room alone with the president again. Because undo inappropriate influence is trying to be weighed down on me and uh, that shouldn't happen he says jeff sessions just looked blank and didn't respond right but then there were questions about why he didn't continue to go to the attorney general about this matter about donald trump's intervention you mean after he looked blank and didn't do anything that's right why didn't he continue to go to the the attorney general <laughs> And he dropped some information on the world that I think is maybe the largest thing to come out of this testimony. And it's not good for Attorney General Jeff Sessions. Let me turn to the Attorney General. In your statement, you said that you and the FBI leadership team 
decided not to discuss the president's actions with Attorney General Sessions, even though he had not recused himself. What was it about the Attorney General's own interactions with the Russians or his behavior with regard to the investigation that would have led the entire leadership of the FBI to make this decision? Our judgment, as I recall, was that he was very close to and inevitably going to recuse himself for a variety of reasons. We also were aware of facts that I can't discuss in an open setting that would make his continued engagement in a Russia-related investigation problematic. And so we were, we were convinced, and in fact, I think we'd already heard that the career people were recommending that he recuse himself, that he was not going to be in contact with Russia-related matters much longer. And that turned out to be the case. How would you characterize Attorney General Sessions' adherence to his recusal, in particular with regard to his involvement in your firing, which the president has acknowledged was because of the Russian investigation? That's a question I can't answer. I think it's a reasonable question. If, if, as the president said, I was fired because of the Russian investigation, why was the attorney general involved? in? So the thing I want to talk about here is the point at which he says that they were also aware the reason they weren't going to Jeff Sessions Mm -hmm. is because they expected his eminent recusal because they were also aware of facts that he can't talk about in open session. Mm -hmm. Well, now there is reporting about that closed session that they went into. He talked for about two and a half hours in open session before the country on live television. And then about an hour later, they went into executive session or closed session to ask more detailed questions on classified material and material that couldn't be talked about in a public setting. And uh, apparently some stuff got leaked and it's being reported what that other thing was that he wasn't willing to talk about in open. Breaking news uh, on what James Comey apparently told Senate Intelligence Committee members during this afternoon's closed-door session. I want to go straight to our chief national security correspondent, Jim Shudo. Jim, apparently this confirms something you first reported here on CNN last week. That's right, Wolf. We're learning now that in closed session this afternoon, the fired FBI director, James Comey, told senators that the reason he didn't want to discuss the attorney general sessions any further in public session is because of a possible third meeting a third undisclosed meeting between sessions and russia's ambassador to the u.s sergey kislyak my colleagues myself my colleagues evan perez and mano raju are told that this is based on russian to russian conversations intercepts discussing this meeting and i should say as you noted wolf we were the first to report last week that congressional investigators were looking into the possibility of a third meeting, this taking place at the Mayflower Hotel in April of 2016. One more note, I will tell you, when we reported that story last week, the Justice Department quite definitively denied that any such meeting took place, saying the facts haven't changed. The then-senator did not have any private or side conversations with any Russian officials at the Mayflower Hotel. But as I said, we're now learning that James Comey told senators in classified session this afternoon that there is a possible third meeting that they are investigating here and this would be uh, quite explosive information relating to the current attorney general wolf it may have been what he had been hinting in open session earlier in the day we don't know that but it's possible 
this is not good. My prediction here is that uh, Jeff Sessions is going to be out within a few months as attorney general as these facts come out. Because he's also likely to be called before Robert Mueller, Bob Mueller's uh, under his position Mm -hmm. as the special counsel. He's going to get to the fucking bottom of this. Yeah. But also it, it raises a larger question. Of how many times are these different Donald Trump uh, surrogates and associates going to be caught lying? How many more meetings are there between uh, Jeff Sessions, for instance? There were none up during his 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 um, confirmation hearings. He hadn't met with any Russians, and then we find out, oh yeah, he did. But he had already been confirmed as the Attorney General. Right. It makes you wonder if even under oath, these people would tell the truth. I mean, do they value that? Because even on the forms that they need to fill out, official government documents where they're supposed to put this information before fulfilling their right. their duty to the country, they lie. Well, see, that was different because I think in their mind, it's different at least. Because then he could just, he went back and corrected the record. But he'd already been confirmed as attorney general. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, we have we forgot about that. So it's the it's the sin of omission, right? Not that he lied, even though it is a lie. It's lie by omission. So, and then we find out, but then he wasn't under oath that it, there was another meeting, and he's just like, oh yeah, oh I didn't think that one was important, and now we're finding there is yet another meeting. It's not good. I just don't know how valuable it is to say to a liar, okay, put your hand up right, and yeah. tell us that you're going to tell the truth. Right. Well, you're, you're a liar. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe the threat of punishment, if you do lie under oath, right, maybe that's it, enough. It's but- official. You're sitting down with someone from the Justice Department. You're under oath. It's, I think it might be, it, it carries a little bit more weight. Yeah. I hope anyway. So that's that's the extent of the testimony we're going to talk about. Got a few more clips, though, because in the wake of this very damning testimony, Comey absolutely saying, yes, he did pressure me. Well, the Republicans now they're coming out and just they're, they're giving the worst excuses for Donald Trump that they can. It's as though they believe on last episode, Brittany talked about how Donald Trump gets treated like a toddler or a child. And that's what they're doing. They're continuing to act like we have this, like they just randomly, out of a lineup, just poked their finger and pointed at someone, and that ended up being the president. Right. Like he has no life skills whatsoever. I think people now realize why the president is so frustrated. When the FBI director tells him on three different occasions he's not under investigation, yet the speculation swirls around the political system that he is, that's frustrating. Of course the president's frustrated. And I think the American people now know why he was so frustrated because this speculation was allowed to swirl when he was being directly told by the FBI director he wasn't under investigation. Look, as far as the the the, the conversations and all of that, um, I'm not going to speculate on any of this. I, I would just add um, that, of course... There needs to be a degree of independence between DOJ, FBI, and a White House, and a line of communications established. The president's new at this. He's new to government. 
Mm. And so he probably wasn't steeped in the long-running protocols that established the relationships between DOJ, FBI, and White Houses. He's just new to this. And so I think um, it's what, what, what I got out of that testimony is we now know why he was so frustrated when the FBI director told him three times there's, there's no investigation of him, yet that speculation was allowed to continue. So obviously we know now why he was frustrated. He's new to this, but he's not new to Earth. So his birthday right. is in four days. His 71st birthday. He will be 71. Now, we always hear him say, no, I went to the Wharton School of Finance. Yeah, I don't know what that great, was. But. Great graves. Yeah, awesome <laughs> impression. Um, is, that, is that you, Alec Baldwin? What's going on over there? <laughs> he's the smartest guy. He has all the best words. Best words, everybody. He's so intelligent. And then this is the defense. Yeah. Well, wait, I thought he was so smart and he has all the best words. I have a very good brain yeah. and I've said a lot of things. There we go. He has yeah. a very good brain. He's a 71-year-old man. He should know that as the president of the United States, it's probably inappropriate to use his power to try to stomp out a controversy, yeah. an investigation surrounding his his campaign well it also goes to this loyalty pledge thing he understands the constitution he's 70 years old ivy league educated so he's just completely uneducated about how things work the independence of the department of justice they don't work for him they work for the american people to uphold the constitution he doesn't understand that Right. Well, and and Paul Ryan coming out and saying, "Well, now you can see why the why the president is so frustrated." No, no, I can't. no, we don't. Here's the other thing. It's that Donald Trump. Well, you know, he was very frustrated because he, you know, everybody thought he was under investigation, but he wasn't under investigation. Even Donald Trump's lawyer is saying this that he wasn't under investigation. Again, parsing words. He might not have been personally under investigation then. He most certainly is now because from the testimony, we learned that Bob Mueller requested the memos of the conversation between James Comey and the president of the United States. So right now, active, absolutely fact, 100%, undeniably, the president of the United States is personally under investigation for obstruction of justice. Right. And even before that, uh, all the people closest to Donald Trump were involved in an investigation. Yes. So he somehow is is happy with the fact that he's not involved. Right. But everyone around him is involved in it. His name is all over it. It's the Trump campaign and it's slowly getting closer yeah to him that's what was happening it's slowly getting closer well that's how it works you've got a guy at the top who's a little bit more untouchable because he's isolated because of the compartmentalized nature of a chain of command mm-hmm. but as they close in and as they engulf your 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 mike flens and your paul manaforts and your carter pages they're going to get closer and closer and closer and higher and higher to the top of the pyramid. And Donald Trump is coming down. Without a doubt, we're going to find out. Because the buck, whether he likes it or not, does stop 
with him. So, the next day, the president of Romania was in town, and they held in the Rose Garden a little bit of a, a, a press conference. And some people got to ask some questions, and, well, this is how it went down. <laughs> Be fair, John. Oh, absolutely. Remember how um, nice you used to be before I ran? Um, Such a nice man. Always fair. Uh, Mr. President, um, wanna get- I, I just want to remind everyone that that is the president of the United States talking to, be- to a journalist yeah, like yeah. that. Talking to a journalist. Remember how nice you used to be to me? Yeah. What, what, Setting up this weird narrative. What country are we living in right now? Yeah. Be nice. Ask a good question. Yeah. The guy's going to do his job. This is unacceptable. Unacceptable. Well, it's unprecedented. Or unprecedented. <laughs> Back to James Comey's testimony. You suggested he didn't tell the truth and everything he said. Uh, he did say under oath that you told him to let the Flynn, uh, or you, you said you hoped the Flynn investigation, you could let he could I didn't let say that. So he lied about that. Well, I didn't say that. I mean, I will tell you, I didn't say that. And, and did he ask you to pledge his And there'd loyalty? be nothing wrong if I did say it, according to everybody that I've read today, but I did not say that. And, and did he ask for a pledge of loyalty from you? That's another thing he said. No, he did not. So he said those things under oath. Would you be willing to speak under oath to uh, give your version of, of those 100%. And I didn't say under oath. I hardly know the man. I'm not going to say I want you to pledge allegiance. Who would do that? Who would ask a man to pledge allegiance under oath? I mean, think of it. I hardly know the man. It doesn't make sense. No, I didn't say that, and I didn't say the other. So if Robert Mueller wanted to speak with you about that, you I would, would be, be glad to, to tell him exactly what I just told you, Jim. And you seem to be hinting that there are recordings of those conversations. I'm not hinting anything. I'll tell you about it over a very short period of time. What is that? Okay. Okay. Do you have a question here? When, when, when will you tell us about the recordings? Over a fairly short period of time. Because it's a reality TV show, Brittany Page. Mm-hmm. Oh, right after this break, I'm going to reveal whether I have tapes or not, everybody. Well, it's because they're still trying to figure out how to deal with his lies. Well, then he went on to answer that, look, you're not going to be happy with the answer I give. You're going to be very disappointed with the answer. Well, what the fuck does that even mean? Yeah. You're going to be disappointed because you hope they're tapes and they're not? Or you're going to be disappointed because... You really want James Comey to be correct, and you're going to find out he lied because of my tapes. What? What is he saying? It's, it's he is he's a fucking bottom of the barrel reality TV star who's bringing that kind of narrative and behavior to the presidency of the United States. It's disgusting. It's disheartening. Well, and it's particularly sad because I see a lot of people who voted for Donald Trump and support Donald Trump who are struggling, who are not doing well yeah. in life. And they support this man, even though he is a he's been rich his whole life and has had everything given to him, right? Yes. And I think a lot of his problems stem from that. Right, a lot of his attitude problems. The yeah, fact that he's always been coddled. That's right. He's always been Donald Trump. Prince Donald. Right. So, but then you have people that you know don't come from that, supporting him viciously, 
defending yeah, oh, yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. And it's very, it's very confusing. Well, that that's a great segue, which is everybody's focusing on him agreeing to to testify under oath. So I'll leave that alone. What I want to talk about is this statement right here. I hardly know the man. I'm not going to say I want you to pledge allegiance. I'm not going to. Why would I do that? Doesn't doesn't make any sense for me to ask him to anybody that I don't know to pledge allegiance. We've seen Donald Trump do this time and time again. In fact, it's a narrative, a running theme of his demand of loyalty, even at campaign rallies. Okay, wait, let's do a pledge. Everybody here, who likes me in this room? Okay, I've never done this before. Can I have a pledge, a swearing? Raise your right hand. I do solemnly swear that I, no matter how I feel, no matter what the conditions, if there's hurricanes or whatever, that's good enough, will vote on or before the 12th for Donald J. Trump for president. Thank you. Now I know. Don't forget, you all raised your hand. You swore bad things happen if you don't live up to what you just did. So now that he's under scrutiny. I hardly know the man. I'm not going to say I want you to pledge allegiance. But when there's no scrutiny. Can I have a pledge? A swearing? Raise your right hand. Come on. Who the fuck do you think we are, Donald Trump? The American people. Some of us might be unwashed, uneducated folk. (laughs) But the rest of us have our eyes open. The rest of us have our ears open. We see what's happening. We hear what's happening. He's like a human chain letter. Let me also. If you don't do this, you're going to, something bad's going to (laughs) happen. Because I remember this, okay? If you don't pass this along, it would be a shame if your house burned to the ground. (laughs) I hope it doesn't. (laughs) Here, let me sell you these insurance. So here's a clip I dug up of him talking about loyalty Mm. from one of his aforementioned aforementioned, uh, reality television shows, Brittany. He knows a lot about loyalty. Recently, I had a man, and he came in for his final interview. But in my mind, he was hired. So this guy started telling me what a creep his boss is. A disloyal person can totally destroy a corporation. I didn't like that an employee was talking badly about the boss, and I decided not to hire him. If you find a disloyal person, get rid of him or her immediately. They're no good. They'll never be good. There's nothing worse than disloyalty. I think he's confusing a loyal person with an enabler. Yes. Because what he just described to me is someone that may or may not have been giving valid criticism of their boss. Right. And he, that's a problem. Whoa. No legitimate criticism here, guy. He's projecting. Yeah. I I don't want this guy spilling the beans about this fucking onerous operation I've got running. Yeah. Yeah. But what he said there is telling. If you find a disloyal person, you get rid of them. Mm -hmm. 
And James Comey was not willing to give his personal pledge of loyalty to Donald Trump only to America, only to the Constitution. So what happened? Just like he just said, he found a disloyal person, quote unquote, and he got rid of them. Yeah. And then I'm going to play one last clip here. And this is a very brief clip of an interview with Dan Scavino, who is now the social media director of the White House, but a longtime Trump associate, even in business. And you can hear the, the, the timber and the tome of their talk about loyalty within the Trump campaign. One theme we've seen through this campaign, people have gotten to know the Trump organization recently, uh, that keeps coming up is, is loyalty. We're all loyal to him, as you just said, and, uh, and he's loyal to everybody that's with him. The retention of his employees at the Trump organization is incredible. People don't leave Donald Trump. It sounds very personal to you as well, and now you're in a political arena, and he's been mocked. He's, people have made fun of, of course, for years, his hair or mm -hmm. his hands or something like that. Mm -hmm. What's your gut reaction when you hear stuff like that? Someone who's worked for him for so long, does that make you really mad? It fires me up. It, it, it pisses me off. It really does. Because I care about the man, and I care about his family. And again, the whole point of all this is he doesn't need any of this. The guy could go play golf seven days a week, stay at, at all the hotels around the world that he owns, and just live the life. He's talked about the loyalty, not only his staff has, but supporters. He made the joke about, I could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and mm -hmm. people would still stand by me. Mm -hmm. His campaign has polarized a lot of people. Yeah. Is there anything he could say or do that would lead you to abandon him? No. No. I'm, I'm loyal to the guy. I'm so, I'm so loyal to the guy. I'm with him through thick and thin, no matter, no matter what happens. That is a programmed man, Brittany Page. Yeah. That's problematic loyalty. No, there is nothing he could do or say that would make my loyalty falter. Loyalty is a theme with Donald Trump. Why would we assume he wouldn't take that into the White House with him and demand a personal loyalty pledge from James Comey? All of this only backs up the claims that were made by former director of the FBI, James Comey, before the Senate Intelligence Committee the other day. All of this. Donald Trump is in bad, bad shape. Things are going to start toppling. I think it's going to be exponential in speed. It's going to be quicker and quicker and quicker. And before you know it, if I was to make a bet here, if I was a betting man, Brittany Page, it would be that Donald Trump is probably going to resign. It's going to be kind of a Nixon-esque situation where he leaves prior to being able to be brought up on impeachment articles of impeachment and brought before the Senate for trial. But I would say that the, the Republicans, they're going to get their shit together and they're going to get rid of him before the midterms so they can go into the midterms saying, hey, look, we cleaned house. We did the right thing. We have integrity. 
Please forget about our undying loyalty selling the country out for Donald Trump for all those months before. That would be my guess. Prognosticating Jesse D. <laughs> so anyway, we'd love to hear what you guys think about this as well. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. I mean, I'm not supposed to give a a prognostication, right? Do you want to? I don't. Just say, I agree. Uh, I don't want to say that either. Because you're loyal, Brittany Page. Uh... <laughs> Can I have a pledge? A swearing? Raise your right hand. Brittany, raise it up. No. Raise it up high. No. <laughs> Thank you, though. All right, everybody. We're going to leave you there. We love you. We appreciate you. Listen, if you like what we do, Further, if you appreciate what we do and you want to take part in supporting us in in content like this, our regular episodes, my YouTube videos, please join us in our Patreon and PayPal family. Go to dollamore.com on the left-hand side of the page. There's a link there somewhere that says support the show. There you can find all kinds of ways, and we would love to have you on board every little bit Every $2 a month or $5 a month pledge goes a long way toward production of the program. Listen, we will be here tomorrow to put out an episode for Monday. We love you guys. We appreciate you. And we can't wait to join you again. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore. And this has been I Doubt It. That is one way to put it. (laughs) 